Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And have a look at verse 28. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all your heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, is to love, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we come before you, Father, this morning, and we thank you for this portion of Scripture. We thank you, Father, for the words, your words that are on this book, and the truth that we find therein. Father, I do ask and pray this morning that you would use your word to minister to us, Lord, effectively. I pray that your word will continue to get a hold of us, that we would know the truth, that we would believe the truth, and follow after your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we would love you with all our mind, hearts, and soul, and strength, understanding, with all uh, our being, Father. We ask and pray that you would give us sense and understanding of what true salvation is and what it should accomplish. Minister to us. Help me to convey your word to the heart of your people, Father. Help me, Father, give them sense and understanding. We pray, dear God, uh, that if there be anyone here in this room that doesn't know you as their own personal saviour, uh, Father, I pray that you would minister to them also, that you'd have your way in their hearts and show them how much you love them. And Father, I pray that you will continue to reveal the truth to them, that they'll come to know it and believe it. I pray that, Father, uh, they would not resist it or reject it. We love you, Father. We thank you for the opportunity to come together without the fear of persecution and the liberty that we have at this time to worship you and hear from your word. We ask and pray you bless your word to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Two weeks ago, we looked at the responsibility of believers to be faithful watchmen or to be a faithful witness for Christ in the lives of others. The encouragement was uh, not to have blood on your hands, to make sure that you warn people and witness to people about the things of God. Last week, uh, we heard uh, the responsibility of not only uh, those that proclaim the word, but the hearers to the word that is proclaimed. Uh, their responsibility to respond to the gospel. And the admonition was simply don't have blood upon your own heads. Today, I want to preach on this subject, missing salvation by 10 inches. Missing salvation by 10 inches. There are examples of people that we see in the Bible that have come so close to Christ and so close to the truth, but they've rejected it. There are people that we see in the scriptures that have uh, come under the Holy Spirit's conviction 
and uh, simply uh, seen their need for Christ, but uh, resisted him. And so we want to look at this, and particularly in our passage, about a man or a scribe uh, that was uh, no doubt learned in the Old Testament, should have been, he's a scribe, which had written down the Old Testament and wanted to know uh, simply a, a, a question, uh, what was the greatest commandment? And here Jesus conveys to him the greatest and first commandment and the second commandment that uh, would no doubt supersede everything that uh, uh, we see uh, in the scripture, in the sense that the Ten Commandments hang off these two. The, f the first several commandments relate to God. The second uh, of the Ten Commandments, uh, several commandments there, relate to man and how we deal with them. And so if we would love man, we would not covet after those things that belong to our neighbor. If we would love God, we would put him first and have no other God. So these two hang off the ten and, and more. To love God with every fiber of your being and to love your neighbor as yourself are the greatest commandments and the golden commandments that God has always wanted and instructed from the Old Testament to the New. And so the scribe affirms the truth and says very clearly uh, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 32, that the loving God with every fiber of your being is greater than burnt sacrifices and, 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 and burnt offerings and so forth. He came to the knowledge of the truth and understood what God always required, what God always wanted from his people. And so, well, what did he understand? Well, he understood this. He understood that there's one God and there's no other. That's what he said. There is one God. Indeed, one God and no other. What else did he understand? We're supposed to love him supremely. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. He understood that there's no commandment greater than these two. He also understood that loving God first and loving others second is worth more, more than all the sacrifices and burnt offerings put together. He understood that religion activity is not enough. He understood that uh, a, a person can be involved with good works and sacrifice, yet not love God and his neighbor. And uh, what, did the, what did Jesus say to the scribe? For answering very discreetly and correctly and affirming the truth. He said this, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. You know the truth? That's good. You, 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 you affirm the truth. There's one God. Good. But the Bible says, well, James says, the devils believe that there's one God. And they tremble at the fact. It's good to know that there's one God. And it's good to know that you, love, you ought to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength, and understanding, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are all good things to know, but knowing them is not enough. In reality... This scribe could potentially miss out on salvation by about 10 inches, 30 centimeters, from his head to his heart. This much. What he knew, he has to believe. You see, to understand to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself is uh, the very thing that will lead you to the person of Jesus Christ. 
It would lead you to know and understand that Jesus is Christ, he's the Messiah, and there's no salvation, no, no other than Jesus Christ himself. It's except the will of God. And the will of God is that you and I will believe on the Son and will see the Son. And how do you see the Son? We'll see the Son manifested through the love of God. John, uh, the revelator, says this, we love him because he first loved us. You begin to love God when you see how much God loves you and how Christ was lifted up and how he suffered and died and that be begins the beginning of a love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But knowing that is not enough. Knowing all these things are good and there are many people that come to the knowledge of the truth but it is not enough. Jesus said these words to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What's he saying? Well you can know them and you can believe them here. But if you don't believe them here and you don't believe on the Lord and you don't believe the truth that is found in Christ then there's no salvation. You're not far. But believing him here is not enough. You can miss salvation by 10 inches. About 10 inches you can miss salvation. What you know and what you perceive to be true and understand to be true from the scripture and what God makes them known to you, you have to believe them with all your heart. There's no salvation. For those that do not believe the truth that they consent to or affirm, I want you to see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Please turn your Bibles there, 1 Timothy chapter number 2. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter number 2 in your Bibles, please. And I want you to see verse 1. Notice what the Bible says there in verse 1. I exhort, uh, I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. Notice verse 4 now, we see the will of God for salvation. Who will have all men to be what? Saved and to come to the knowledge of of the truth. The whole point is to know the truth and come to the knowledge of the truth is that you be saved. That's the whole point. This is God's desire for all men. Verse 5, we see the way to get to God uh, in salvation. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's not through religion. It's not through baptism. Not through good works. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's not through, you know, these burnt offerings that point to Christ, these sacrifices that should be a reflection of the real thing to come. It's not even through those. It's through the person of Jesus Christ. Only one meeting. It's not through Mary. It's not through the saints. Not through your religious system. Not even through a prayer, perhaps. It's through the person and believing the person of Jesus Christ. There's only one way. There's no other way to get saved. And then have a look at verse 6. The worth of God, uh, of salvation. Who gave himself a ransom for all. This is the uh, value in which God simply gives 
uh, he, he gave his only begotten son as a ransom to redeem those that are enslaved by sin, death and hell. He, he, this is the worth that we have in, in, in Christ as our salvation. Now, this is good to know them. It's not enough to know them. It's not enough to consent to these things these things to be true and say Jesus is the only way and he's paid the price, he died for our sin, he was buried, rose again. That's good to know them. But you must believe in it with all your heart. There's a difference. There's a difference between coming to the knowledge of the truth and believing it and loving it and, and, and being saved than just to know about it. There are many people that know the truth. They come so close, but they're 10 inches away because they don't believe them in their heart and nothing happens. I want you to see 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. The reason why some people die and go to hell is not because they didn't know the truth, but it's because they didn't believe it, they rejected it. And I want you to see 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and beginning from verse 8, here the Apostle Paul is explaining to us uh, the, the, the coming of the Antichrist, he calls him that wicked, that wicked person, that wicked man. Uh, the, the verse 8, then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. God's going to deal with him when the Lord Jesus Christ, he should destroy with the brightness of his coming. Aren't you glad for that? That the Antichrist has nothing on Christ. And one day he'll be destroyed. Look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not what? The love of the truth that they might be what? Saved. That's the problem. It's not that they didn't arrive to the truth. They came to it, but they didn't love it and believe it, that they might be saved. And the Bible says, For this cause God, verse 11, shall send them strong delusion, they might believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in what? Unrighteousness. They reject the truth, and they want to continue in their unrighteous, ungodly manner and so it's one thing to know the truth and it's another thing to come and believe on it and love the truth and i want to use an example of a man uh what a man under authority a man that who was under authority named felix in the book of acts i want you to turn there please with me uh, he came to a complete conviction but yet did not believe he was about 10 inches from being saved i want you to see this in acts chapter uh, number 24, please. <clears throat> Felix was a governor in Judea. He lived in Caesarea. And Paul stood before Felix, the governor, to testify of the false accusations that were made by the Jews in Jerusalem. And when Paul gave his defense, uh, he made it clear to Felix that he was innocent of all the alleged allegations. However, he was guilty of one thing, and that was preaching the truth. Preaching, in particular, the resurrection of the dead, he says in verse 13, have a look, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, the way being the Christian way, which they call heresy, so worship the Lord God of my fathers, 
believing, look at this, all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both, just, both of the just and the unjust. Now when Felix heard Paul's defense and his testimony, he understood more about the Christian faith than he did prior. I want you to see verse 22. Look at this. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect what? Knowledge of the way. All right? So he understood more perfectly in a more mature manner of the Christian faith. So over here, the Apostle Paul gives his defense. He tells him, I'm innocent of these charges. Has an opportunity to preach somewhat the truth. And by it now, Felix has come to a more understanding of the truth. Now, after several days, I believe Felix was pondering upon what he heard and desired to know more. Look at verse 24. Look at this. <clears throat> and after certain days, which Felix came with his wife, Drusulia, or Drusulia, uh, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning what? The faith in who? Christ wanted to know more about this faith that is in Christ. And as he reasoned, look at this. And as he reasoned of righteousness, this is Paul, temperance and judgment to come. So first of all, we see now the Felix call for Paul to what? To hear more about the gospel. Isn't that tremendous? I don't know about you, but what a wonderful opportunity. When someone wants to know the truth, they want to hear the truth, they want to know the truth. For me, that is just, and the beginning of rejoicing. What a pleasure. I don't know about you, but Paul the Apostle would have, would, have, would have been excited to stand before this prominent man and tell him about Jesus Christ. Felix's effort to organize this meeting proved that he was impacted by the testimony of the Apostle Paul and by the, by the preaching of the resurrection of the dead. Wanted to know more. And so Paul preaches a three-point outline in his sermon. I want you to see, he preaches righteousness, temperance and what judgment to come one deals with the past one deals with the present and one deals with the future and i believe this to be uh, no doubt things that allude to the things of the gospel and concerned christ because these things have to do with faith in jesus christ now the bible says paul reasoned in other words he spoke thoroughly he perhaps conversed with him back and forth and disputed. We only see a few verses on the pages, but there is no doubt uh, some time that the Apostle Paul would have taken to present these truth. He reasoned of righteousness. See, these rulers didn't understand anything about godly living or about holiness, uh, who, what God demanded or accepted uh, uh, or looking, in a, looking for in a person. And it was the responsibility of the prophets and the law to point to the person of Jesus Christ who all righteousness simply dwells. He's the fulfillment of the law and prophets. He exceeds them. In other words, uh, he never came to uh, destroy the law or, or, or the prophets. He came to fulfill it and sure did. He did. But these people in authority and others are like them don't know anything about righteousness. This is why John the Baptist had to rebuke Herod for simply taking his brother's wife. Had to point it out. Had to point the sin out. Had to expose him, if you will. 
And so Paul reasoned of righteousness, and uh, no doubt God loves righteousness. You see in the Old Testament, have a look, in Psalm chapter 15, the Psalm of David, the Lord, who shall abide in my tabernacle, who shall dwell in my holy hill, he that walketh uprightly, and he that worketh righteousness, and speaketh truth in his heart. This is who God simply values and favours. I want you to see Psalm 45 verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Look at this. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest what? Wickedness. What does he say in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And we see there's no doubt the Apostle Paul would have preached those things. He would have preached uh, the pure gospel like he did to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. A holy God demands righteousness. However, there are none righteous. No, not one. There are none that do good. Who, means, who can attain to this? The Bible says very clearly, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And so God provided his own righteousness to those that put their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the just for the unjust, that he may bring us to God. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the imputed righteousness of God is placed on our account and our sins are simply hammered to the cross. And so Romans chapter 3, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and who? The prophets, they, all, they also pointed to the righteousness of God which was in Jesus Christ. They proclaimed it. They prophesied it. And as a matter of fact, the law and the prophets were all types of Christ that pointed to him. Uh, were they looking to Christ? Absolutely. I don't believe this dispensation uh, kind of feel that they didn't even know anything about Jesus Christ. Don't be blinded by the fact they knew, uh, Moses knew, Abraham knew, uh, there were pictures and types and manifestations they probably didn't know it in its complete sense and knowledge like we do. And by the way, we're more accountable to whom much is given, much is required. But they knew the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Redeemer to come. I didn't know everything about it, but they were waiting for him. Okay? All right. And so the prophets or the law and the prophets testify to this. Have a look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in who? Christ Jesus. Even the scribe, the religious buff, knew that loving God supremely and loving our neighbour was more than these burnt offerings and sacrifices put together. Now the grace of God and our salvation that leads us, or in Christ, leads us to a righteous life, or should lead us to a righteous life. It's the whole purpose of being saved. We're not saved to sin so more. Well, we're saved to sin no more. Now, we don't believe in sinless perfection, God forbid, we're still waiting for our redemption to be complete. We are sealed under the day of redemption. But as we live and wait, this grace that has appeared unto all men, this salvation that God simply has given us, teaches us to live what? Teaches us to live soberly and righteously. 
and godly. So when Paul preaches righteousness, there's no doubt he would have taken the time to explain that there's no way we can be righteous other than Christ and then also that in Christ we can live a righteous life. There's no doubt in, 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 in my mind that he would have expounded what it meant to be saved. The Holy Spirit leads us to live a holy and righteous uh, life. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see this quickly. Just leave your finger there in Acts. I want you to see this in Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Look at this. Ephesians 5, look at verse 1. But be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh what? Saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words of because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. But, not, but be not ye therefore partakers with them. Look at this. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Look at this. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and, what is it? Righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. When you're saved, when you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads you in all goodness and in righteousness and in truth. So there's no doubt what we have in Christ will lead us to manifest righteous or godly living. It's what Paul says to the Romans, that our everlasting life, what we have in Jesus Christ, is simply because of Christ, but manifests holy living and righteous living. I want you to see it in Romans chapter 6. See this. Romans chapter number 6. Look at verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that you were the, serv uh, that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of what? Righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. All right? The next verse. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit? What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 
But now, being made free from sin, you became servants to God, and you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus leads us to uh, everlasting life, and it is in Christ that you and I can live a holy and righteous life by the Spirit of God. We no longer should be under uh, sin or slave to sin. And by God's grace, we yield ourselves, and with the Spirit's help, as servants to righteousness, doing those things that please God. Look at Acts chapter number 10. I want you to see this. There's no doubt the Apostle Paul preached these things. Acts chapter number 10. And look at verse 34. Sorry, we, uh, this is Peter. <clears throat> then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh what? Righteousness is accepted with him. What are you talking about now? We have to fear God and work righteousness to be accepted of God? No, we're in Christ and we've been uh, given the imputed righteousness of God upon us. The Holy Spirit, which is the fruit of righteousness that helps us come to that end. That's the whole purpose of God doing the, a work, uh, this regeneration, this born-again experience, this new man. A lot of people like the new man in their position, but not in practical living. So we, we are a new man in our position. Okay, Aren't you supposed to live like the new man? Put off the old man? Put on the new man? Absolutely. That's what salvation is all about. Our end goal is that you and I will be conformed to the image of his dear son, which leads us to the point of loving God, submitting to his will, and loving others. You read the book of John, and the fruit of our salvation is to love God and love others. You read the gospel of uh, 1 John. This is no doubt one of the greatest fruits of righteousness, to love God and love others. Love our brother. Now, he goes on to say, in, when we go back to our text in Acts chapter 24, Paul reasoned of temperance. Now, can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul preaching to an unsaved man, not only about righteousness, but now temperance. Now, I'm not saying to you that the Apostle Paul preached everything that I just mentioned. He probably would have used other passages or whatever it was. I'm just giving you what I see from the Scripture, and I can give you more. But we've got limited time. But uh, think about temperance. Why does he mention temperance to this man? Self-control. Uh, well, Paul have no doubt would have used this to preach on sin. No doubt about that. About the sin problem that we have, that we are so consumed with selfish desires, selfish lust. We are living for self and, and living for the here and now and uh, the, the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is of the world and not of God. Peter says this to his hearers, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from what? Fleshly lust that which war against the soul. I believe fleshly lust can cover a whole different things. Alcohol, gluttony, greed, money, envy, pride, anger, evil speaking, idolatry, adultery, fornication, and various other forms of immorality. 
See, these people in authority had uh, a, a sin problem in immorality. You see them. There was a big problem. And like I said before, John the Baptist marked it out. And when he marked it out, what happened to him? He got his head chopped off because he marked out a specific of sin, of a lack of self-control and violating. It's unlawful, he said. You have broken the law, showing him sin, his lack of self-confidence, uh, control. First Peter chapter 4, verse 3, look at this. For the time past of our life that uh, may suffice us to have walked the will of the Gentiles when we walked, when we walked into lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatry, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. See, you once walked with them, but now you don't. And you know what? They find it strange. They find it strange now you have some sort of uh, self-control or temperance. You know, uh, temperance is important to God. As believers, God has called us uh, simply to uh, uh, manifest this quality. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is meekness, temperance. All right? Christians are commanded to add this quality to their faith and to add it diligently and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. And pastors are to have this as part of their qualifications in Titus 1 verse 8 but uh, he, he, they ought to be lovers of hospitality lovers of good men sober, just look at, uh, holy, temperate uh, not only this but Christian men, older and younger are called to be uh, temperate uh, Titus 2 verse 2 that the aged men be sober, grave temperate uh, sound in faith, charity and patience even the young men, verse 6 likewise exhort to be sober-minded, self-control. You know, temperance is a reflection of simply being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit as believers, then we're controlled by the flesh. It's one or the other. You can't have both. Either the flesh is guiding you, or the Holy Spirit is leading you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is, no, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit, but, uh, sorry, who walk not after this. Let me say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. And uh, look at verse 14. For as many are as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. Galatians 5.16. Then, uh, this I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the what? Flesh. Galatians 5.24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Listen, a carnal, unnatural man, a man that doesn't have the Spirit of God, can never have self-control over his fleshly appetites. Only God, by his spirit, can give you temperance and have this self-control by being governed by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we want. And this is a process, it's called sanctification. All right? And so when we're saved in Christ, uh, we begin to be sanctified by the Spirit of God that leads us to the fruit 
That, uh, uh, but why he emphasizing temperance? Because it, it is a reflection of everything that we do. Listen, it is a reflection not only being spirit-filled, but get it. It is a reflection of this, doing our will versus doing God's will. All right, I want you to see this. Uh, in First Peter, uh, sorry, First Peter chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ have suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh hath what? Seized from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the what? Lust of men, but to the will of God. See that? It's a reflection. Having the self-control is a reflection whether you live for yourself or you're living for God or you're doing God's will. Uh, Paul reasoned not only regarding temperance but also these future things. Look at this. He reasoned regarding judgment to come in Acts chapter 24. Paul would have been no doubt a faithful watchman warning Felix of the coming judgment and if he rejected Christ, what would take place? The Bible says he's appointed under man once to die. And after this, the judgment. What a watchman. What a faithful servant. Preaching the righteousness of Christ. Preaching perhaps sanctification. And also now preaching uh, uh, judgment to come. Judgment to come. And by the way, under the point of temperance is this. And I forgot to mention. And we see it in Acts chapter 5. Remember what Jesus said. That if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your right eye causes you to sin, what? What is it? Pluck it out. Why do you say that? I believe he's pointing out the severity of a lack of control of the things that uh, hinder us from coming to Christ. He says it's better to go to heaven with no arms or with no limbs than to go to hell fully maimed. What's he saying that for? Because he knew the lust of men, how strong it is. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Because these pleasures of this life that will pass away with the wind one day, but those that do the will of God abide forever. And listen, the fruit of the will of God is this, is being saved. That's what God wants for you. Not everyone that call, uh, saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the will of God. What's the will of God? You believe on Christ. What's the will of God? You follow after Christ. You honor God. You love Him. You love others and, and ask God to continue to conform you into the image of His dear Son. If you don't come to Christ, you reject Christ. God would have to reject you. You'll pay for your sin. And it's better to be in heaven with no arms. Now, this is a hyperbole. He's not saying that people are going to be in heaven with no limbs. And He doesn't want you to cut off your hand literally. He's just simply saying that you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to die in your sin, reject Christ and go to hell. You don't want that. All because of what? The lust. Because we know as believers, we're going to get new bodies. Amen? Yeah, there's this glorious body. There's like his body. There's going to be put on when the trumpet blows. will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, and what a day that will be. What a, that, that, will, yeah, that completes our salvation. We are saved from the very penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the very presence of sin. And that, that, that's going to be a glorious day, but not for those that reject God. For those that reject God and continue in their sinful ways, 
and want to continue as a sheep gone astray, doing their own thing and rejecting God's will and believing on His Son and following the Lord will pay for their sin in hell. Listen, the, this man came to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to see it. I want you to see now his response. I want you to see Felix trembled. Look at this. In Acts chapter 24. Turn back to Acts chapter 24. There's no doubt the Apostle Paul would have preached repentance. No doubt. When you're watchmen and warning people about the coming judgment, what are you preaching? Repent. No doubt. We see that in Acts chapter 17. You don't have to turn there. It's on the screen. I want you to see this. In the times of the ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent means turn to God by believing on Jesus Christ because he had appointed a day in which he will judge the world in what? In righteousness by that man whom he had ordained, that's Jesus Christ, uh, whereof he had given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead. There's no doubt the Apostle Paul would have preached the whole counsel of the God inviting people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repent from their wicked ways. And when you do that, by the way, when you preach the whole counsel of God, you know what God does? He will reprove by the Spirit of God men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. There's no doubt Paul the Apostle would have preached these brutal things, but God is the only one that can grab these words of truth and thrust them in the heart of a man and convict him. And you know what? That's what happened to Felix. I want you to see it. He was convicted. The Bible says here... Felix trembled. Wow. He trembled. That word trembled here simply means he was absolutely terrified. Why? Paul, what did you preach? Preach the word of God. Yeah, there's no doubt he would have preached, God loves you, Felix. Doesn't want you to perish. But if you don't repent and believe on the Son, you're, you're, you're finished. He trembled. He was convicted. No, there's no doubt about it. Holy conviction, Holy Ghost conviction shook Felix's heart and Felix wasn't able to hide it. He trembled. The man shook. Felix quickly realized that he was guilty. Condemned sinner. And that judgment day was waiting for him. And now he deferred, he defers his decision, unlike the Philippian jailer. The Bible says that the Philippian jailer trembled when he saw all these things. But the Philippian jailer was a big difference, big contrast. One of the Philippian jailers said, he said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Wow. <laughs> all right, what do I do to be saved? Let me come and teach you some more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe and thou shalt be saved. What does that mean? Well, let me come and show you. Had a little Bible study, the Apostle Paul with the Philippian jailer. Ended up getting saved and baptized. What happened to Felix? Well, have a look. He deferred. He said simply, uh, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Go. Go your way for this time. Convenient season? Listen, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. What happened to Felix? This is what happened to Felix. This is what happened to Felix. Ten inches 
from being saved. Why did he tremble? Because he knew the truth. Why did he say, oh, I'll call back for you for a convenient time? He wasn't ready to believe. He wasn't ready to repent. He wasn't ready to believe what he knew to be true. And there are people like that. They know the truth. Listen, but they wait and they say, maybe tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe uh, a month. And you know what? That day comes and they're still living in their sin, rejecting God's will. I've said it before. Every, ta- every day you live without receiving Christ as your person is saying, every day, every day you defer, every day you, 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 you delay. It's almost like you're playing Russian roulette. Why will you live without Christ after knowing the truth? There are people that have never come to the knowledge of it, but once you come to the knowledge of it, why wouldn't you believe? And you know what? The testimony of Felix is because he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready is because there were reasons for that. Uh, Thou believest that there's one God? Yeah, 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 I believe. Tremble. Devils tremble. Felix, tremble. You believe that the truth, it's not enough. You've got to believe it with all your heart here. Here. Not just here. I want you to see verse 26. Look at this. He hoped also that money should be have given him of Paul that he might lose him. Well, that was quick. Wow, Felix. Now he wanted some sort of bribe money to release the Apostle Paul. Okay, wherefore he sent for him the often time and he communed with him. So many times he would have called for Paul. Okay, Paul, you got the money yet? And Paul wasn't going to have any bar of it. Yeah, he was innocent. You have this man that simply knows that Paul was innocent and now he's asking, look, give me some money, I'll let you go. No. So every now and then he will call for Paul. You got any money? No. There's no doubt the Apostle Paul knowing his position and, and, and what gives me the indication that he rejected the, uh, the offer is that he had to keep calling for Paul to come and say, you know, do you have, do you have money? I can lose you. No. Uh, verse 27, but after two years, two years, Paul was in prison for two years and two years had lapsed and Felix still hadn't made a decision. Festus came to Felix. Uh, his room and Felix willing to show the Jews pleasure, look at this, left Paul bound. Sound familiar? Now it was a political call. Festus was going to take over Felix's rule and Felix wanted to be still up there amongst the, the boys and, 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 and the Jews. He just thought, you know what, this pleases the Jews, just leave Paul in prison, let's change over, but just make sure Paul is left in prison, and uh, this pleases the Jews. And so the Jews continue to love him and continue to support him and maybe politically vote him. What happened with Pilate? Why did Pilate buckle after he knew the truth? Because he wanted to show favour to those people. He chose favour. He chose to be simply uh, popular and positioned and, and prominent over the truth. Uh, why did uh, Herod uh, want to simply, after uh, killing James, wanted Peter to be killed with the sword? Because it saw that it pleased the Jews. You see, this is an unrepented man. You see Felix 
demonstrate any faith? No. He trembled, yeah. Came to the knowledge of the truth and trembled, he knew. But he never repented. He was never converted, never truly believed. See, a person can believe the truth here. But if they don't believe the truth here, you're done. Went back to his old ways. And now Paul stands before King Agrippa, after King Agrippa hears from Festus the allegations that took place with Paul. Now King Agrippa wants to hear Paul out. I want you to see this in Acts chapter 26. We're almost finished. We've got two more passages and we're done. I've got about 10 minutes. All right, we're almost there. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. Acts chapter number 26. In Acts chapter 25 and verse 22, that's where we see King Agrippa wanted to hear Paul's defense. But Acts chapter 26, from verse 22 to 23, notice here, Paul shares his testimony, and then after that he preaches the gospel. Okay? And uh, verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continued, he continues to share his testimony and, and witnesses to King Agrippa. He says, uh, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than that which the prophets and Moses did say should come. What did they say? That Christ should suffer and that he should be the, uh, be the first that would rise from the dead. Oh, did the prophets preach that, did they? All right. Uh, and should shine light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Okay. So over here, the Apostle Paul is now preaching the gospel to this King Agrippa. By the way, Jesus prophesied the fact that Paul will stand before governors and kings to be a testimony against them or to be a witness for Christ, I should say. But notice now the response. Of, King, uh, of Festus and King Agrippa. I want you to see these two responses as we uh, almost wrap it up. Look at this. Verses 24 to 29. Look at this. <clears throat> and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're, you're, you're crazy, Paul. You, you've been too much in the books. Yeah? Well, the book of God's word. Praise God for that. Uh, verse 25. But he said, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of what? What is it? Are you with me? The words of what? Truth and soberness. Reality. They're truth. Hey, listen. We're going to stand before God one day. You're going to give an account. Every one of us. What we do with Christ will make the difference in eternity. These are words of truth. You go on the street, you get the same answer every now and then. You're mad. Get a life. I do have one. It's in Christ. He is my life. And notice over here, verse 26, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that no, none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in the corner. Hey, listen, king, you know these things. 
They were right before you. Nothing was done in secret. You know. You know, King. Hey, listen, people know. And they will know. Have they not heard? Yes. You know how many apostates know more scripture than some of the common uh, uh, believers? You know how many apostates know the Bible? Why? Ten inches, my friend. Ten inches. And they get bitter and angry with God, but they know Bible. I, I, I meet a lot of them on the street. It's not for me anymore. What was the motive? What was the reason? Why are you so angry with God? Listen, people know. They know the truth. People know. There are some that are still developing in their understanding. And the devil wants to hinder the truth. But for the most part, at least we know that King Agrippa knew it. Look at the next verse. I want you to see it. Verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. <laughs> oh, man. You believe the prophets? I know you do. We're here. Listen. Was Paul saying here? Or here? Here. I know you can verify the message of the prophets. I know you believe the message to be of God. Because prophets spoke on behalf of God. And I know that you believe them. And I know that you believe that they're from God. And, you, and I know that you believe the truth. Here. You say, why here? Let's keep reading. Then Agrippa said on the poor, almost, almost, thou persuaded me to be a what? Almost is not there. Ten inches from salvation. Almost is not there. What, what, was, what was the reply? And Paul said, I would to God, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day will both almost and all together, such as I am, accept these bonds. You know what Paul was saying? I wish you can have what I have in Christ, accept these chains, and I hope that you'll never be persecuted and bound and falsely accused. I hope you come to know Christ. Paul wasn't a Calvinist. That was his desire because it was God's desire. Can I just say this in wrapping it up? You know who else was six or ten inches from salvation? You'll never believe it. The rich man in hell. I want you to see it and we're done. Luke 16. Look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. This hell here is not the grave, it goes beyond that. Because the Bible very, you know, some words that says hell means the grave, but this here in context means hell, literally uh, hellfire, because we see that it was in torments. Seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and said in Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and what? Call my tongue. That gives us an indication that he was dehydrated, and there was no water. And he says, for I am what? I am what? Tormented in this what? Flame. Okay? Well, that's a serious thing. It is. All right? But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from thence uh, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that they would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send me to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that they, be, that they may testify unto them, uh, that he may testify unto them, lest they shall come into this place of what? Torment. And Abraham saith unto him, they have who? They have who? Moses and the prophets. Let them hear uh, them. Why? Because Moses and the prophets, listen, pointed to Christ. Jesus said to the Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, for they do testify of me. Of me. So if you understood anything about the prophets, you understood that they proclaimed Christ and his coming. You reject the, the prophets... You reject Christ. He makes that clear. You reject the apostles. You reject Christ. That's clear. First John, that's clear. You're an antichrist. You're, you reject their message. You reject God. You reject Christ. You reject his will. Look, listen. You accept their message of truth. More light will be given you. More light will be given you. More light will be given you. And it will lead you to Christ, who is our salvation. All right, I want you to see this. Verse 30. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will what? So he understood about repentance, didn't he? What's repentance? Coming back to God. That's what the prophets thundered. That's what uh, John the Baptist thundered. That's what uh, the apostles thundered. To repent and to turn to God. And the only way that we can is through Jesus Christ. They would have thundered repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. He knew about repentance. Sounds like he was a charismatic. He wanted to see a sign or a wonder. Listen, they'll believe the signs and wonders if you just show, show them that I've been risen from. They won't believe. How many times Jesus performed miracles and they didn't believe? Their hearts were hardened. You know, I said this just recently. You know, they crucified Christ not because he fed the 5,000 or not because he did miracles. 
They crucified him because they rejected the truth that he proclaimed. They put him on the cross because he, he proclaimed the truth. What was the truth? Why were the prophets stoned? Why was Jesus crucified? He told them because the message of turn, turn to God. The Pharisees were full of extortion. Their, 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 their problem wasn't only trying to you know, serve God with their lips and, and have some re religious outward duty. They were extortioners. They were, they, 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 they were, they were lustful men. They had covetousness uh, through and through. They, were, uh, they lacked self-control. It wasn't only about them uh, just simply serving God with lip service. They were sinners and they didn't want to repent. So they crucified Christ because he exposed them. He exposed the hypocrisy and the gnashing of teeth came out and the fangs came out. I want you to see verse 31. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Did they know the truth? Ten inches, my friend. Ten inches. You believe that Jesus died for your sin? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You believe uh, that he was buried and he rose again the third day? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's good. The devils believe that. They believe the Holy One of God being Christ. They believe who he is. Felix believed that. I believe this rich man in hell somewhat believed that. People will believe the truth, but the reason why they're in hell is because they do not believe it with their hearts. What hinders me to be baptized? There's water. Believe with all your heart. Can't be half-hearted. Can't doubt. Got to be genuine and sincere. With all your heart. And then you can. No problem. May God help us. Every single one of us understand that coming to the knowledge is one thing, but believing it and loving it is another. You know, being saved ought to lead us, ought to lead us to loving the Lord Jesus Christ and loving others. It ought to. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it very clearly. If you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be an anathema, maranatha. You're going to be cursed on judgment day. Oh, hang on a minute. What do you mean for, for not loving Jesus? I thought it, 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 it for not being saved. Isn't, isn't, isn't salvation by faith in Jesus? What's got not loving? Why am I cursed on judgment day? Because my friend, when you see Jesus high and lifted up on the cross, you love him and you come to him and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, I can't do anything to repay you. What you've done for me, you love me. We love him because he first loved us. And if you don't love him at the point of your salvation, you haven't seen it. You're blind. May God help us love him. 
see what he has done for us. You know what Paul said? The love of Christ constrains me. Why? Why, Paul? Because we thus judge. What did you judge? What did you see? What did you, what did you understand? What did you perceive? That if one died for all, then we're all dead. I saw that if Jesus didn't die, it would have been done. No hope. But you know what? This love that God has demonstrated in Christ puts me under arrest to live for him. I want to love him. Live for him. And live for him is to live for others. To deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow him. Salvation first. See how much God loves you. Come and believe on him with all your heart. Love him. And, 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 and walk. As you therefore have received Christ, walk ye in him. Amen? Let's pray.